Welcome to the Successful Fashion Freelancer Podcast. I am your host. My name is Heidi, and I am here to help you kick ass as a true remote freelancer. That means you get to choose your clients, choose your projects, things that you love, and you get to do work on your own terms, setting your own schedule. It does not mean you are working, air quote, full-time as a freelancer for a brand 40 hours a week in their office. No, no, that's not freelancing. That is abusive. I call it permalancing or temp job. So here on the podcast and here in, in, in the business, everything that I talk about has to do with remote, true remote freelancing where you are in control. And today our guest is Aaron, and Aaron is a student in our freelance accelerator from surviving to thriving. We call it FAST. Aaron is a student in our FAST program, and she got the opportunity as a student in FAST to get on a one-to-one strategy session with me to talk about her uh, challenges as a freelancer. And today, you're going to get to hear that strategy session and not only see a glimpse into you know what some of the access that our FAST students get, but also a glimpse into the advice that Aaron gets, which I know you're going to be able to take and run with for your own freelance career. Um, Erin and I chatted about a variety of things. First, she was feeling really stuck on what services to offer. She was stuck between services and skills that she already had versus services and skills that she's really passionate about but that she has to learn. And so we dig through um, how we dig through three specific strategies that she can use to continue freelancing while also working towards those skills and those services that she's really passionate about. So she doesn't have to put a halt on it, learn the skills, and then go back. Um, We talked about three different strategies that she can freelance and grow and learn all at the same time and get paid for it. Pretty awesome stuff. Um, We also talk about, um, Erin was feeling a little bit stuck. Um, She has some clients and she's doing well, um, but she wants to find more and she was feeling a little stuck on where to find brands. And so we talk about some specific strategies that she can use on where to find freelance clients. And we also talk about kind of a random little discussion, but I think it's really beneficial. Um, tips on what brands she may not want to talk to. There's a specific type of brand that we identified she and I identified as you know what they're not going to need your services and here's why and so we talk about what how she can eliminate that brand from her outreach and make her efforts a lot easier and a lot quicker to success so I think you're going to love this this strategy session with Erin again one of our freelance accelerator students and what else oh what else um yes let's see If you want more resources on freelancing, head on over to soheidi.com slash freelance, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash freelance. We've linked it in the show notes, so scroll down wherever you're listening to get even more resources. If you're curious about our Freelance Accelerator from Surviving to Thriving program fast, get go over to sohai.com slash freelance sign up for the email list and you will find out when it opens it only opens a handful of times a year um follow me on instagram we'll link that in the show notes as well come say hi slide into my dms uh what else i think that's it i'm trying i don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast if you're a new listener then this might sound very normal for you but um if you're a existing listener i'm trying to change up the intros and the outros a little bit and make them a little more casual because that's who i am as a person i'm not this like structured rigid person so they might sound a little flubby and i might be like hmm, what am i talking about i try not to ramble too much and try to be relevant but just to let you know we're, i'm playing with it so episode to episode it might change that's okay uh, okay, let's dive into the strategy session with Erin. You're going to love this so much. Here we go. All right, Erin, um, so I'm really excited to go through this strategy session with you as part of the Successful Fashion Freelancer course and program. Um, can you, first, let's get a quick introduction so everybody knows kind of who you are and what you do in fashion, and then we'll jump into where you're stuck with your freelancing and figure out some strategies to get you unstuck. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Wonderful. Hello, bonjour. I'm speaking (laughs) from Brussels, Belgium, but I'm originally from Ohio, and I am a product developer and designer for fashion and textiles specializing in circular and more sustainable design. 
And I really love empowering other people through education and healing what I see as some of the broken parts of the fashion industry. And so that uh, those two things intersect in my work as consultant and, and teacher. I've been working for about uh, six years in the industry, and I'm like part nerd, part artist, part technician. So I have a degree in both the creative design side and also a degree in the product development side. So I've worked uh, in pattern making and technology. I've also worked with mentoring emerging designers and uh, and also researching circular materials. Awesome. So when I'm not doing the fashion thing, I uh, am a lover of black coffee always and forever. <laughs> And uh, currently, I'm trying to grow a vegetable garden, but they're still really small. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, and I'm learning French because that's the language where I live. Wow. So. I love those, like, extra fun personal tidbits. Um, here I am drinking a decaf Americano with extra half and half because I need to <laughs> cut my coffee. I cannot do black. It's so intense. Oh, Oh Always and forever, man. Always yeah, good. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> and I, too, have attempted vegetable gardens and not had the best luck. Like, the mm. ROI is just doesn't feel like it's there for me or the amount of work. And then, and then I'm like, I don't even know if I love it that much. I feel like I do it because I feel like I should. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love, like, getting off the screen and, like, yeah. into dirt. That's true. Um, but I'm pretty sure we're going to only have – two small beans like I think that's our <laughs> yield right now <laughs> so, oh my gosh a for effort yeah for sure a for hey that's true with anything in life you got to get out there and try right true I'm that's amazing true. amazing um and French I can't I speak Spanish so we could probably oh. barely maybe converse a little bit but I'm a little rusty so we will save that for another conversation and <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about where you're stuck in your freelance career. So um, what you've told me sort of in advance of this call, um, you have created this concept called niche cookies, which I think is so fun. And so I want you to explain that. Um, and so for people listening to niche is just kind of a, is a marketing term, but basically when it comes to freelancing, you want to be really, really focused on what you do. You don't want to try to serve everybody and do everything. Um, you want to be really specific in like who your ideal customer is and what services you're going to offer. Um, and so that's essentially what niche means is like finding a nice little niche in the market that you can service and do that, that one or those couple things like really, really well in that niche. Um, so you have this concept of niche cookies and that's kind of where you are feeling stuck. So tell us a little bit about that and what exactly you're stuck with. Okay. So niche cookies are something that I came up with. Um, and to me, it's this concept of, do I use the ingredients that I have in my kitchen to make the cookies or do I go out and get the ingredients that I really want to make the cookies that I really want to make? So that's, that's really where I'm stuck. Do I use the ingredients that I have on hand, like the training I have from school and my freelance experience so far, or do I obtain the experience and the resources that I'm lacking in order to you know, make, make the cookies that I eventually want to be making? Yeah. So tell us about those two different sets of ingredients. So currently, the ingredients you have on hand is is sort of what it's designed through development for women's wear both i've done wovens and knits okay and i found myself working with startups or really young brands like they're they're growing they're emerging uh -huh. and they're focused on sustainable design okay so that's currently what you have available to offer and yes. then what do you want to offer? Like what are these cookies that you really want to make and what are the ingredients that you're missing for that? So the cookies I really want to make is to folk to, to do what I just said, but to really focus in on inclusive design mm -hmm. and that I say inclusive design. I mean, that's kind of a subjective term, but I see it as um, anything that's outside of the ordinary. So it could be plus size. It could be, um, 
like taller people Mm -hmm. it could be really petite people it could be possibly maternity in certain ways like if you want a a piece of clothing that can be for when you are pregnant and not pregnant not just you know not Mm -hmm. just when you're pregnant Mm -hmm. but I kind of think of it as just anything outside of um the standard and the norm okay um and what those ingredients that I would need to get that I feel like I'm lacking would be studying plus size pattern making or studying inclusive pattern making and grading because I did not learn that in school. I did not learn that on my internships. Um, I think technical sketching would need to be strengthened as well because again, it was just not skills that I've obtained through education or experience. Mm -hmm. And then um, I know I would need to learn digital pattern making software because I just don't know it. I don't know any pattern making software at all. Everything was ham done Uh, um, in school. And then I just haven't had the experience in my internships. So that's, those are the areas that I, kind of keyed into wow I'm missing that and I feel like those are really important to be successful yeah okay so but these these ingredients that you're missing for and we'll just use the umbrella term of like inclusive sizing just to make things simple um so these ingredients that you're missing for this inclusive sizing um you've expressed those but the the market and the customer and I mean, maybe not the customer, but like the brand is still kind of the same type of brand. Cause you, you write, you wrote here in your form for the strategy session, you wrote, um, women's wear startups, young and growing brands focused on sustainable fashion, which is the same skills that you already have. Like that sector of the market, like that type of brand still fits into your existing experience. It does. Absolutely. And my, my passion that I know, you know, that's what I love to do. And my heart is definitely into the sustainable circularity sector Mm -hmm. for sure. So, Mm -hmm. so the way that I see it is actually quite simple. And tell me if you've thought about it this way. Um, cause I, when I read through this, I was like, Oh, we'll just do that. Like the answer was so clear to me, but I know sometimes you need someone from the outside to see that perspective. Cause like, Absolutely. right. It gets so blurry, like from the inside and so convoluted. And then you need like a third person to just be like, well, just do this. And you're like, Oh my gosh, duh. Um, so the way I see it is the type of brand is the same type of brand. It's just inclusive versus let's say typical. Mm-hmm. And the services that you want to offer are a little more broad, right? You want to not just do design through development, but you also want to do some of the pattern making and the fit, um, which is sounds like that's the, where the majority of your skills, um, that's the majority of the ingredients that you're missing is the, that pattern making and um, the, the software and the sizing and the grading. Correct. Um, and I would also say, I don't know like what your experience is, but with startup brands and young growing brands, usually I help them through the entire process because okay. they are so small that they will have their things produced by local seamstresses or a really small local factory. Uh-huh. So usually, I mean, I've, do, I've been doing pattern making, but all by hand. They don't really need so much, you know, software, but I think in order to be more successful to offer a digital version, I think would be more professional. Um, But I know I have the pattern making skills for typical, for the typical sizing. Okay. So Um, because those brands need, yeah, it's usually those brands have, they, they require, they require my work from idea to like getting it produced. Okay. So here's what I think you could do. Um, and this is sort of like a combination of what I advise. Um, and there's a there's a module in the, in the course on this, and I don't know if you've gotten to it or not, um, which is fine if you haven't. But here is it's a kind of a combination of like when – when people don't have a skill, um, or maybe they've like taken a class, but they've not actually like done the thing in real life. Um, what I advise you to do, you can do one of two things. Um, I often suggest, you know, working with brands and being really transparent with them about where you're at and your skills and doing the project or projects, um, you might do multiple so that you can really build up your skills and get to the confidence level that you need to be at. Um, doing it for a lesser rate. So it's, 
here's the thing. You're learning your skills, so there's going to be a learning curve. So you're going to take longer to do it. Um, you know, obviously we want to make sure that the outcome is still really good. And so it fit, I know that's a sensitive issue. Um, and then the brand, which for startups, you know, they often, not always, but they often have tighter funds. And so if mm-hmm. they can get something for, um, what I like to call is kind of like a trial rate, um, or like a learning educational rate. So if they can get something, in your case, I think it would be more along the lines of like a learning educational rate, then they're happy because they're getting a better value um, and they understand. Now, you're, you're going to be very transparent with them. You're not going to pretend that you have all these skills. So I think the way that I see you approaching it is you can go after these inclusive sizing women's wear startup brands and you can approach them with the whole like, you know, I do design and development for brands like yours, and maybe you haven't done specifically inclusive size design in the past. So then put together one sample project to just show them, like you have the skills because you've done design and development for, you know, women's categories. You're just kind of going into like a different size range. Um, so you could put together like one sample project. So that way your CADs are showing, you know, your, your flats and stuff are showing, um, you know, the different body types and stuff. Um, so you can approach them with the ability to do the design, the tech packs, all that sort of stuff. And you, and you could do it one of two ways. You can maybe pitch them with helping them with the design and tech packs and sourcing, sustainable materials um, and, you know, helping them work with the factory and all that stuff. And you could say, I'm in the process of learning inclusive size pattern making and grading. Um, So depending on where your comfort level is and depending on, you know, I don't know if tomorrow you can find a class online to learn some of the software and learn some of the pattern making, you could almost like do it in tandem, right? So you could be and you'd be, again, you'd be very transparent with them. And so you'd say, like, listen, I can, you, this would be deeper in the conversation. This wouldn't be right in your initial pitch. Um, but deeper in the conversation, once you kind of get your foot in the door and you start having a conversation with them, you can kind of say, listen, these are the skills that I have that I've successfully done for lots of other brands. Um, so I can offer you those services, um, you know, at my regular rate of whatever. And then the other stuff, which is what you really want to do, but the ingredients you're missing, you can say, you know, I'm in the process of learning these. I've done pattern making and grading before. I'm in the process of expanding my knowledge to the inclusive sizing. And I'm taking a course on that. I'm working with a mentor, like whatever you're doing to learn that thing. And you could almost do their fit in tandem with your education. Again, you have to do a gut check on your confidence level to do that. Um, and my gut would say that you're you're more capable than you might give yourself credit for. We're really, really good at, um, there's this thing called the negative bias and we're really good at being negatively biased towards ourselves. We will tell our friends, our partners, our kids all day long, you can do it. You know more than you think. But we'll tell ourselves, no, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Um, right? We always have that doubt. So again, you have to do a gut check and you have to do what you're comfortable with. But I, I think you could do it in tandem. The other thing you could do is um, maybe you do the design and, and whatever parts of the process you're comfortable with for them, the sustainable sourcing and all that stuff. And then maybe you help you find an inclusive pattern maker who, you know, you can almost like partner up on the project with or bring them in. Um, you know, that might be someone you find through the, the uh, private student group in the course or, you know, someone you find on Instagram. I don't know. There's all sorts of ways you could kind of start networking to find someone. Um, and then that could almost even maybe turn into like a little bit of a mentorship and those types of friendships and partnerships in the freelance industry, I know they feel very scary because it's like, oh, well, I don't want to like connect with this other freelancer who does similar work to me because they're going to take jobs away from me and I'm going to take jobs away from them. And it can start to feel like our, our gut instinct is <clears throat> very like competitive um, type of like knee-jerk reaction. 
But I can tell you from firsthand experience and I can tell you from experience from many, many of our students that making those friends and sharing those clients will actually make both of your businesses grow. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a couple different ways to think about it. Um, and then I'll throw one last thing out. So, so right. First you could do, you know, be very transparent with the brand, do like an educate, do charge them your normal rate for the typical stuff that you already have the ingredients for. And then the stuff that's outside of your wheelhouse right now, figure that out. Start learning that like yesterday. Right. And, and however you do that, you do that, then be very transparent with them, offer them the educational rate for that and use their project as part of like your educational process. Option two, um, you know, find someone who can do that and bring them in on the project and learn aside them. And then option three, which I think for you would be my last resort, but something you could consider. Um, I, I'm really, really against people working for free under with, with one exception. Um, and I talk about this extensively in the course. The exception is if you need to build that skill and you are really, really not feeling comfortable charging them because of whatever list of reasons, then you can approach them and say, like, I will do this part of the project for free because it is an opportunity for me to learn you have to be very clear about the boundaries of the project. So like when it starts, what it finishes, when it finishes exactly what they're going to get. Um, you have to be very much in control of like let, making sure that doesn't, you know, push into another project and like they start taking advantage of you, um, which mm-hmm. most brands, I mean, the fashion industry has a reputation for doing that. But um, if you control the situation and you're very clear, it typically doesn't happen and they're, they're respectful. So you can go in and do it for free, um, under, again, and it's the same type of thing. You're very honest and transparent with them. Like, this is a skill I'm learning. I can do this part of the project paid and I'm happy to, to offer, um, this other part as part of like my education and I'm, I'm going to do it for free. This is exactly what you're going to get. And then what you can do at the end of that is like, it, assuming you're happy with my work, you know, we can move on to the next project and we can proceed at my regular rate for, for everything. Right. So then it's like you get... Um, it helps you feel for some people, it can help you feel a little more comfortable doing the work. Um, because you're like, okay, well I, I kind of know what I'm doing, but I'm still learning. And so I'm not going to charge them like that. It can just ease your mind a lot. Um, my gut says you have enough of a foundational skill that you don't necessarily need to go to that extreme of doing it for free. Um, I think that that can work better for like super, super entry level, um, doing Mm -hmm. that first project for free just to get the experience, um, again, under very clear terms. Um, and maybe at this point in time, they don't need digital pattern making. Like you said, the paper pattern making is working. And so what if you just, you know, you, you stair stepped your learning curve, right? So the first step you're going to take is taking the skill you already have, which is paper pattern, um, hand pattern, pattern making, and then growing that into inclusive, right? And then once you have that figured out, then maybe you tackle the software on like mm-hmm. your second, third project. Like, I don't think you don't have to do it all at once. Um, but that's a way I think you could really easily, you know, get your foot in the door. You're not going to be, I don't want to, what I don't want to see is you completely stall on your freelancing because you're trying to learn these other skills. Because I think you have so much to offer that you can be doing stuff at the same time. So how does all of that sound? Like what's your gut reaction on everything I just said? I'm surprised actually, because (laughs) I never thought about it like that at all. Okay. Um, so I think it's fruitful because it's a totally different perspective than uh-huh. what's in my own head. Okay. Um, the second thought I, yeah, my second thought is that what if you, how do I say, um, I mean, what if you find yourself, what, what do I want to say? Mm. 
Sorry, I'm looking at my notes and trying to gather what it is. I how how do I actually want to say it? That, that's okay. Take your time. Yeah, I think it's surprising because in in my own head, I would have thought, okay, I need to gather all the skills before because it's like the confidence thing, and I feel like yeah. I'm not an expert. Yeah, and I I think that that's maybe why I'm so surprised and I lost my words there because yeah I think okay in order to be a successful freelancer like I I know I need to be niche and I know I need to be expert and be like hella good at what I do um but it's a bit of a tricky thing when you're like okay I don't I I know I'm missing those ingredients and I want to I want the cookie that everyone tastes the cookie and is like oh my god this is the best chocolate chip cookie (laughs) right like you want that feeling of like People are like, no, no, she's a great baker, like hands yeah, down. Yeah. And then you kind of know when you make the cookies and people are like, yeah, yeah, they're okay. But no one talks <laughs> about them, right? So I think I want to be the person that's like, oh my gosh, she has the best cookies. And it's a little scary to be like doing them in tandem. Yeah. Because I want to be an expert before I step into the arena. And you're saying, no, no, like do them in tandem. Because here's the thing. Um, stepping into the arena is what's going to make you an expert. So, you know, we can, we can spend all day, um, getting ready all week, getting ready all month, all year. Um, I'm, you know, I, and I'm, there's this new concept I've been learning about, um, called be, do, have. And I, uh, I was hesitant to even bring it up and now I just, I let the cat out of the bag. So we can spend all day saying, once I have the confidence, once I have the skills, once I have the expertise, I will do the thing. I will do the, the freelancing in the inclusive size category. And then I will be the expert, awesome, amazing freelancer that I, I want to be. So, mm-hmm. so that's how most people approach it. They approach it as have, do, be. Once I have the confidence, I will do the thing and then I will be the successful, ex- ex- exceptional expert freelancer. Mm-hmm. So that is not really a mindset for success. The mindset for success is you want to flip it and you want to say be, do, have. So I'm going to be the expert at the inclusive sizing pattern making and I will do the things that an expert in that category will do and I I will then have the results. So, um, and I, I don't know how well that came across. It's, um, it's a concept I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and learning about over the last like six months. So it's still, I'm still kind of like wrapping my head around it. But the point is you have to go out there and do the thing and I know that like in the, in the, the root of it comes down to our confidence, right? Of like, oh gosh, but am I like good enough? Or like, do I really know enough? And so that's where the way that I presented it to you, that's where, you know, being transparent with the client about where you're at is, should really help alleviate your, your anxieties and then also offering them like, um, and I'm very conscious to not say a discounted rate, um, but like an educational rate or a learning rate or um, a, a trial rate. You can, it's the same type of concept, but you can use it. The brand's really hesitant. You can be like, let me do this project on a trial rate. And if you're really happy, then we can move up to my regular rate. And so for mm-hmm. you, right? So so you're offering them a deal, Um and you're being honest with them. And then it comes back to like, you know, these startups are often tied on cash. And so that can be really, really attractive to them because they might not be able to afford the expert that's been doing it for five, 10 years. That person for pattern making, inclusive pattern making is going to be probably pretty pricey. So, yeah. right. So yeah, but what happens when I, if I do this for five or 10 years, <laughs> Will I be will I be outpriced? You know, I mean, what if no, you in won't. five or ten years I'm the inclusive expert and I still want to work with startup brands? Then. You won't be. I know um, freelancers who charge three hundred dollars an hour and work with startup brands. Okay, okay, cool. you're not going to be priced out. Um, there's going to be a lot of brands that won't afford you, but there will still okay. be brands that will afford you. Okay, okay, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I know the industry has a reputation for brands being cheap, and some of them definitely are. But guess what? In every industry, there's cheap companies and cheap brands that always want the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest. Um, And then you know what happens a lot? Because I've heard this story a million times on the podcast, and I've had this experience in my own life. Um, The brand goes to the cheap person, and then three months later, they come back to you, and they'll be like, they did it. It just didn't work out, right? So you obviously have to make sure you do a good job. Um, Again, I, I say that like, you know, no pressure, but like, um, you know, you know, pattern making, so figure out what you need to do to do the inclusive sizing component of it. And maybe if you're, I would encourage you to just go out there and do it. Like I said, but if you're really freaked out and you're like, I just cannot give yourself a deadline to learn three months. I don't know, like, you know, what the extent of it would, would be if, um, I don't do pattern making, um, but, you know, to make some patterns and maybe you, like, sew up some sample. I don't know what, what it would really look like. Give yourself a deadline and then be like, okay, after this, I'm going to just put myself out there. And maybe you still do, like, the educational rate. So, like, you know, I've done pattern making in the past, but the inclusive sizing component is new to me. Um, I've been studying and training, and I'm, I'd am i ha- be happy to take your project on as one of my first projects at a lower rate so that it's a win-win for both of us, right? I'm going to get the first-hand experience, and you're going to get – um, a a better price. So, and then, but in, in the meantime, I would still go out there and build your freelance career with these brands. You're just not going to offer them pattern making yet. Mm. Right. Offer them the design, offer them the tech packs, offer them the, um, sustainable sourcing, offer to help work with their factories, um, for the production, to manage the production, all that sort of thing. And then what's going to happen is you're going to build relationships with them because when you start freelancing, right, and you have clients, you build a relationship with them. And so you can be talking to them the whole time and just be very open and be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing all this um, and I'm, I'm learning pattern making on the side. And so then maybe by the time they're ready for you to make the patterns in two, three months or whatever the timeline is, you are ready and you've built a relationship with them. So then you're comfortable with them and they're comfortable with you. And you've been really transparent that like, you know, you've been taking this course or like doing whatever on the side. Um, and so that is another way to do it. But I guess bottom line, I wouldn't not get out there and do something just because you don't have this one component. Okay. And so go well, after and- the inclusive brands instead of going after the general, typical women's wear brands. Um, go after the inclusive because that's closer to the ingredients of the cookies you want to make, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and still get your foot in the door and do some of those other projects for them and, and build up those relationships. And, you know, then the timing might work out perfect. Or maybe, like I said, you can bring in another freelancer um, who – has those skills and then maybe you wind up even learning from them. I mean, I think there's so many ways that this could like beautifully pan out. But yeah, they're great ideas. I mean, they're, they're really good ideas. And like I said before, they're completely different from what I thought about, which is why, you know, coaching and strategy chats are are really quite fruitful. Um, and, and also maybe just to share with you, like I'm already in the arena, like working with a brand that's inclusive. Amazing. Okay. I'm like in it, you know, I mean, this so what are you doing for them? So I, I actually, um, I mentored and consulted her from her first idea. Like she wanted to start a brand. Okay. So I'd, I'd worked with her for a while on consulting and how do you take your ideas and how do you understand trends Uh and mood boards and just getting your ideas into a tangible collection one day. Okay. And then that relationship grew quite organically where I, she wanted to just keep working with me to do the, like the second part. So right right now, currently um, I've already done the the technical sketches for Uh her and, um, or for the brand and um, have started pattern making. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've already started doing the inclusive pattern making. Yes. Wait, where was this like 20 minutes ago? Oh, hello. Hello? Oh, hello. Okay, you cut out for just a moment. Okay. You're back. Okay, so so you've already started doing the inclusive pattern making. Like, where I didn't know this 20 minutes ago. Um, wait. Well, this is before, the, this has happened since we, since I like wrote this thing. Since and... you applied for the strategy session. Okay. 
Yes, yes. Since I applied for the strategy session and that's like really where I was thinking inclusive and then uh, this kind of happened like quite organically where okay. I was already doing the tech flats because I knew that and yeah. I felt good about that. Okay. And then she just wanted to like boogie on forward. Right? Because so, you got your foot in the door, you did a really good job yeah. and she really liked you. And so now you're moving on to the pattern making. So are you, so you're, you're like learning it on the fly with her project. Yes. And well, ha- I mean, I'm, I'm doing, I'm like watching, I'm, I'm trying to fill in the gaps that I, I have, but also the silhouettes. Okay. Um, I, I feel pretty comfortable, I feel pretty comfortable, pretty confident that I can apply the knowledge that I have. I just need to be intentional if there's something I'm not understanding or I'm not comfortable with. But with the silhouettes, I felt, I felt pretty confident that I could figure it out. Okay. But it's a little bit of a scary place after everything you just said, because I didn't do those things that you had just said. I didn't really say, okay, this is at like a, a learning rate or a trial rate. You I, don't have to do that though. Okay. I mean, I just thought I'm going to, I'm going to be really aware and kind of like, if it's taking me a ridiculous amount of time, that's something that I'm not going to pass on to the client. Exactly. That's not really fair. Exactly. Yeah. If you're charging um, hourly, you do have to be conscious of that. Absolutely. Like what does it normally take and what should it take? But I'll be honest, I'm a little, yeah, I'm in the arena, you know, with my gear on and I'm like, oh gosh. (laughs) Okay. So, so yeah, you don't have to do the educational or the trial rate. It's something I offer as an idea because for a lot of people, it can like, they'll sit paralyzed doing nothing. Right, but right. with that idea, it's like, okay, it can make them feel a little more comfortable. And so it can get mm-hmm. them to the next step, but it's not required by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so you're doing exactly then the idea I, I kind of said there at the end, which was like, start with the stuff that you know how to do. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the pattern making will be an add on after you've built the relationship. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're doing the thing. So how, now that you're like in the arena with the inclusive pattern making, you're like, you've figured out how to like find the ingredients you want for the cookie and you're like making the cookies that you want to make. So how does that feel considering that, you know, three, four weeks ago when you applied for the strategy session, you were thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just totally stuck because I want to do this one thing, but I don't really know how. So I'm not even sure how to like you almost from what I read in your form you almost to me you felt a little bit paralyzed yeah no it did I think there's two things that to answer your question so so one is that I I am not sure if I'm the baker that everyone's like oh my gosh her chocolate chip cookies are amazing because I'm still in the the kind of be do and then have the expertise Mm -hmm. I'm in that that right now so I do feel a little bit like Oh, I would like to be in like the have area mm-hmm. and I'm still in a little bit of like the be do, I guess, to talk about what you talked about earlier. Yeah. So I'm a little uncomfortable, you know, because I'm, I would really love to be super confident and like know that I'm really, really good at what I do. And I'm, I don't have that experience yet, but I also am really aware that you just have to like do it. In order That's how to you get, get there the though. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then second, second thing is that, you know, in my customer research and really thinking like, is there a demand for this? I'm just not so sure that there will be a steady demand of this type of thing. You know, I've got this project now, but in customer research, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of people doing this. There's not a lot of people like niching in this. And so it's a bit like, is there just not a demand for it or are people just not offering it? Mm. So I'm still in this customer research where I'm a little bit like, okay, if I choose to make these cookies, will people want to buy these cookies? You know, are they just going to be sitting on the shelf? I don't think so. So here's so a couple of things to think about. Um, okay. One, inclusive sizing is only growing by the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? that's what I believe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's everywhere. And, it you know, all the brands are trying to – all the big brands are, you know, trying to do it and, you know, inclusive models and all the all the components are growing in that aspect. Um, so I feel very confident that the brands are out there. Maybe you just haven't found them yet. Um, okay. There's a niche – I know multiple 
designers that do design and technical, sort of like you and pattern making, um, who do in the intimates and lingerie category, they do small back, large bust. So like, you know, maybe like a 32 double D, right? So it's small back, but then the bust is large and that's their niche. I mean, that's niche, right? And, Mm. and, and they are like crushing it. Um, there might, there's not, okay, here's the thing. There's not as much work as women's wear in general, like, right. Or women's wear, sustainable women's startups. Like, obviously that's a bigger category, but as a freelancer component, you're going to be a much smaller fish in like a really big pond, right. Versus you can be in this tiny little pond and you're going to be this huge fish, just like this small back, large bust lingerie category, um, and I know like multiple people that do that category and they're all like doing exceptionally well. Okay. So I have no doubts that this category is sufficient enough for you to get plenty of work. Um, okay. Because yeah, when you're thinking about, okay, which niche, niche cookies to make, you know, do you go with the ingredients that everybody has on hand, right? When you go to fashion school, like everyone has usually like flour and sugar in your pantry, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That's what you learn at fashion school. You learn the very typical, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, what about when you want to put like chocolate covered dried cranberries in your cookies? Like I didn't learn that in school, you know? And, and it's a bit like, yeah, it does go back to that. That question of being stuck is also like at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are the cookies that I actually, that will get eaten? And I don't know yet because, more people eat chocolate chip cookies than people eat chocolate-covered cranberry cookies. Yeah, but look at how many people yeah. are making chocolate chip cookies. How much competition do you have? So right, a lot. much. A That's lot. true. That's a lot. There's a lot. So, yeah. so look at this. Um, and I just want to like get your head thinking about this in a couple different ways. How many people do you know out there that teach – or how many resources out there are there for freelancing specifically in fashion? I would say not so many. Yeah. I I actually don't know anybody other than myself. I don't know anybody who who has dedicated or has like a a substantial amount of content and or even a course focused on freelancing and fashion. So like that's pretty niche. And Mm -hmm. there's not a lot – like all the people in fashion school, you know, you're like you said, what do they have in their pantry? Um, A lot of people out there are not just like – I'm not making chocolate chip cookies. I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. I'm doing the chocolate covered cranberries. Um, and my business is booming because I'm mm. doing this like really specialized thing that nobody else is doing. And there's enough people that like want that. Does everybody in the fashion industry want to freelance? No, a lot of them want to start their own brand. And I thought about doing that type of content for a while, but then I was like, there's so many people doing it and it's not what I want to do. And so I'm going to follow my heart and I know there's a market. Is the market as big as the group of people that want to start their own brand? Arguably, it's not. But it doesn't matter because guess what? Nobody else is helping this category, this industry, and I want to do it. And just like you, there's not a lot of people out there. Um, no, or there's not as many people out there helping and supporting the inclusive category from a freelance perspective or pattern making or design or any of those perspectives as there are people helping and supporting, you know, sustainable women's wear for like a bigger, broader, other sort of the other category that you, um, you have experience in. Yeah. So I, and I know it can feel very uncomfortable to feel like, oh my gosh, this category is too small. Like, is there enough work? I mean, you already got this one project. So from the time you sent this form to me, which I'm going to say was, let's say four weeks ago, a month. I'm not sure. It's about that amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. Between, in, in a month's time, you already got your first inclusive size project. And you said it happened like pretty organically. Yeah, it really did because I was just, she, we had been working together as more of design concept and just taking like noticing trends and understanding silhouettes and color palettes, just design concept, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, I would like to continue with you to actually make this brand happen. Okay. So it became, you know, this, this segue into, okay, tech, technical sketches, tech packs, pattern making, prototypes. 
I mean, you that easily got your first prize. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's plenty of work. I'm, okay. I guarantee it. Okay. Like I'd put a lot on the line to guarantee that there's a lot, there's plenty of work <laughs> out there for you. <laughs> yeah, because it's totally, I mean, we can't talk about niche cookies if you're like, you know, it's, it's a real fear, right? It's it like, is. You, know, you do the customer research and it's yeah. a little bit like, okay, they don't exist, but just because maybe they don't exist doesn't mean it still couldn't work. They do exist. I think you just haven't found them exist. or you haven't, you haven't found yeah. them in the right spot or you haven't like, um, figured out where to, I mean, <clears throat> have you explored hashtags on Instagram? No. Okay. There's that's gonna be your bread and butter, I think. Okay. These brands are gonna be all over Instagram. So figure out what the top ten hashtags are. Inclusive sizing, inclusive fit. I don't know what they are. You're gonna have to do some research, right? Right, right, right. <clears throat> um and find the brand. I guarantee you I I'd be surprised if with a couple hours of research on Instagram, like you could literally do it in a night, like drinking wine, watching TV. You're probably on Instagram anyways. I don't know. Maybe you aren't. A lot of people are, um, just kind of wasting time. Right. Um, I'd be really surprised if you didn't have a list of like 10 to 20 brands within a few hours. Right. So do where, I mean, where have you looked so far? Um, so in my, in my customer research, it's been, I've, I've done some cold emails and, and I've had quite a few conversations with people. That's great. Um, and some have been, yes, yeah, so some have been cold emails with, with sustainable brands that do inclusive design and some have been people I already know in the industry and some have been, you know, past colleagues. Um, and it seems like in those conversations, people are like, yes, I think either brands don't want to be inclusive at all. So they're very, they're very sure on like, yes, I want to be inclusive or no, I don't. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Uh-huh. I definitely want to or not. Sure. Or secondary, they said that it's, um, it takes a lot of time and therefore money to develop. They might want to be inclusive, but it's a big, it's a big resource obstacle. Well, there's always going to be those brands, right, that are like, we want to do it, but. Exactly, yeah. But you're going to find. I heard quite a lot from the brands, like, yeah, we want to, but like, it's a lot of money and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of know-how that we have to get for ourselves. Okay, understand. Um, So that almost sounds like those brands, they've already started with typical sizing and they're they're, they want to expand into the inclusive sizing, but, mm-hmm. but it's a big step. Yes. So I think <clears throat> where you might find better success is, cause that, that is a barrier. That's a hurdle. It's like they have already spent a lot of money and invest a lot of time and development and marketing yeah. and building their customer base and photo shoots and sampling and product. I mean, it's so much money, right? They've already invested that in the typical sizing. So for them to think, okay, well, now let's take on a whole nother like size category is like, oh, that's a lot. It is. It's a lot of money and time. And so they're, of course, going to have, they want to do it, but they're, they're, they're like backed into a corner where they're like, I just can't. So I think that you might have better success. I almost guarantee you have better success if you using, I think the hashtag um, strategy on Instagram is going to be really valuable and you're going to find brands that are, that's what they're starting. That's exclusively what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. They're not like looking to do this as an add on because, Oh, it's become popular in the last few years. Um, you know, I say that like really casually, but that is kind of how I think a lot of the industry has, has been looking at this, unfortunately, right? It's like, oh, okay, this is the next trend that we should, we should, you know, air quotes should do. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be a lot slower to take that on, right? Because it is a lot more money and it's a whole nother fit and all the other things um, versus the brands that are exclusively doing this. And they might have just started up in this past year or they might have started up five years ago. Because I'll tell you what, just because it's becoming more popular now doesn't mean there were brands that were doing it like on the on the, when it was just kind of barely becoming a thing. Obviously, okay, somebody yeah. kickstarted the trend, right? Uh, right, of course. Yeah, and that's I guess important for you to note, and I'm that I think that's really fruitful because so far in my customer research, it's only been 
you know, people that have been in the industry for a long time that mm. really made it clear to me it's black and white. Either yeah. brands want to be inclusive or they don't. Right. And like, it's okay, but like be really quite um, convicted, like have conviction about what it is you want to offer. So yeah. some of the, some of the conversations I had said, I don't know if it would even be good for you to be inclusive because brands, there's not so many brands doing it. That was their opinion. Mm. Or it was brands that said like, and we would like to, but like, it's too big of an obstacle. So mm-hmm. I think a bit of me, I hesitated in like, do I pursue these niche cookies that I really want to make? Mm-hmm. Because so far in the research, I had been finding that maybe it's, there isn't going to be demand. I think that you've been looking for and looking at the wrong brands. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know what, is an amazing part of the experience and an amazing learning for you because now you've you've learned that these existing brands, they want to do it or maybe they don't want to do it, but if they do want to do it, it's a big barrier. And so that's Mm -hmm. not a customer for you to go after because guess what? They're going to have a lot of resistance to doing it because it's a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of development. So now you know who not to talk to. Yeah, true. And, and I don't, I mean, I hope, I hope that encourages other people too. like, you know, customer research. I don't see it as wasted time, but it also really made me understand that the, some of the conversations I had, people are like, you either are inclusive or you're not, and you're going to be convicted because some brands don't want to be inclusive. Sure. Sure. You know, they don't, and and that might be money. That just might be their, their ethos of the brand or whatever. Sure. Um, but I think they were, they were good conversations, but it definitely fed that, that kind of being stuck of like, yeah. Do I go out and get the ingredients yeah. if no one's going to eat them? And yeah. it's a bit like, that's scary to like be trying to get all these skills and experience and then find out, okay, in a year from now, there's just no demand. I mean, if you're really that worried about the demand, I'm not worried about the demand at all. Like I'm telling you. Yeah, very, no, that's why it's good to chat with I'm you. not. <laughs> but if you're really worried, then spend the next week like finding those brands on Instagram who are already doing inclusive, not the brands that like want to get into it. Um, yeah. And, and then here's the other interesting thing too, that you can think about, um, you know, and, and I applaud you for, you know, realizing and acknowledging that the customer research is not wasted time. Even if you're talking to brands that wind up not necessarily needing the thing that you're, you're researching, which for you inclusive sizing um, in a year, in six months, in three years, when those brands do decide that they're ready to add it on, they you could be the person that they contact. Uh, I didn't think about that, yeah. So, so that's where um, you can also be conscious, and this takes a little bit of effort, but I think it could there could be value in it. There is value in it. I know for a fact from firsthand experience and from experience from other freelancers in my network and in the course. Um, <clears throat> There, there's relationships here, right? So you already have had a phone call with them voice to voice, okay? That is like a big, like they already feel like they know you. You were very inquisitive. You weren't there selling anything. You were just doing research and re- research really trying to understand them. So they, chances are they probably already like you and feel good about you. Um, so the brands that said, yes, we're interested, but you know, it just feels like a hurdle. We'd like to get to it someday. We're just not sure when. What you can start to do is, you know, keep track of those brands, whether it's five brands or I don't know however many, but the brands that you feel like, you know what, maybe one day they really actually will do it. Keep track of them and just ping them every three or four months with something of value that they could find interesting. Like maybe um, it's an article on inclusive sizing. And, you you know, you want to be like mindful of how you word it. Like you're not pushing anything on them. And so you Mm -hmm. might almost like present it like, hey, I know, you know, there's a lot to consider when it comes to, you know, adding this um, size range to your assortment. Um, But if it's still in the back of your head, I was reading this article that was really interesting, blah, 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 and like link them to the article. Or, um, you know, maybe if you wind up working with a brand who does add the inclusive sizing and they figure out a way to do it a little more cost effectively, right? So it costs a little bit less. And I don't know what the thing might be, but maybe there's something creative that they do that like makes it a little more accessible to add it. Then you can reach out and be like, hey, you know, I just, I I hope you're doing well. Like just wanted to say hi and just tell you about this interesting story that I just experienced with this other startup or this other brand I was working with. Um, And I know time and money and development is 
can be a hurdle to add this. They did this cool thing that like cut out a huge part of the funding or the process or whatever. So I wanted to like toss that out to you if you guys are still yeah, thinking about yeah. this, right? So you're you're continuing to nurture those relationships and to add value so that they keep thinking about you so that in a year, in two, three years, and it literally can be years, like you plant mm. these seeds, you're just kind of like tapping them on the shoulder and just saying like, hey, how's it going? Like, here's this interesting thing that I just learned about inclusive sizing or like whatever. And you want to present it, you know, like kind of how I just pitched it to you. Um, very softly. You're not selling. You're not saying, let me know when you're ready to get started on the project. Like you don't even say anything like that. It's pure value. It's pure, like just saying hi. And I wanted to give you this little piece of value and that's mm. it. And then when they're ready, you're going to be the person that they, that then you're really guaranteed you're going to be the person they contact <clears throat> because nobody else, I can tell you for a fact, nobody else is out there doing what I just told you. Mm. It takes a little bit of work, but this yeah, is, but I also feel like that I, again, I didn't even think about that, which again, like, thank you so much for just sharing a different mindset, you know, mm-hmm. that's not my own because I'm only an Aaron's head. Yeah. That's my head. Yeah. But it also goes, it does feed a bit, which is really important to me. And you had mentioned it when you said of, about how you niche down to, to only do fashion freelancers, like yeah. following your heart. Yeah. And I think we have to reconcile that a little bit too, because in my heart, like I really would like for brands to offer more inclusive design. Yeah. Like that, that is really a part of my heart. Like authentically, I'm like, I want to do it Yeah. because I, I would love for it for fashion to be available to more different sizes and different shapes. Um, and so I think it's important that you share that perspective because it does speak a little bit more towards that element of like follow your heart, Yeah. which can be hard to reconcile when it's your job and it's a business. Sure. A little bit of like the things that we love and make us really come alive and like maybe my dreams for the industry in 50 years and 100 years, but I had to balance that with, you know, realism. Yeah business at the end of the day, right? It's a transaction. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate that because to me, it speaks a little bit too of like organically nurturing these relationships to yes. really equip brands later on Yeah. to do something that I think is really valuable to people. For sure. And so when you're so, coming at it, like from a true <clears throat> heart perspective, they're going to feel that it's mm-hmm. not, you're not coming at it from like a oh boy, I really need to get two more brands to sign on this month. They're not going to feel that. They're going to feel that in your heart, you really care about, you know, adding this component to their business and the industry and into the industry as a whole. And so that's just going to naturally come out in your writing of like how you write the email and like what you say. And that's why I really advise people when it comes to choosing your niche, I advise like picking a combination of two things. One is like what you're good at and two is like what you love. Yeah. <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. it, it sometimes it's kind of a little bit of a balance. Um, but you have to have that excitement component because it just bleeds into everything that you do and people can feel it when it's not there and they feel it when it's there. And it's a really good thing when it's there. Mm. Um, like I get a lot more, like at, towards the, you know, for the like last six months of the business, um, as we've like literally just f- officially pivoted from doing all the things, Illustrator and Tech Packs and all the things to just freelancing, like literally within the past couple of weeks has like kind of been like the final pivot. And the website is still like has all the things that there's a kajillion things I need to update, which is going to take like a year. But it's fine. I'll get to it. But my point is that in like probably the last six months, maybe even a year, I could feel it in my writing and like the way I talked on Instagram and all the other stuff. When I was talking about Illustrator and Tech Packs, I was kind of like, Illustrator and Tech Packs, here you go. I know you need this skill. And then when I talk mm. about freelancing, I am like so ramped up, so excited and like I get so much more response and reaction to my content when I talk about freelancing than when I talk about than when I was talking about the other topics. And it was just because <clears throat> the way I presented it and the way I put myself out there was very different. Even though I was trying to be excited about everything, you can only like fake it so much, right? Right. So 
I think you have a tremendous amount to offer. I think there are a lot of interesting ways you could approach this like we talked about. You're already practically doing it. Not practically, you are already doing it. (laughs) So I want to know, Erin, like what are you going to take from this call and do next in the next one week, one to four weeks? So like kind of immediately what are you going to do and then tell me what's your plan for the next month? Okay. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, immediately is to hold the current project with intention. Okay. And mindfulness is like, okay, when being grateful, this is a really great, uh, tangible way to be in the arena. Uh huh. And also I think because you had mentioned this like educational rate and just kind of like I'm learning is just kind of check myself and make sure I'm being appropriate with the time I'm taking. Okay. Um, I think that's a way that I can kind of balance this. Like I am confident, but I'm also, I'm kind of charting new territory. Okay. So for me, that's like a very, okay, I can do that and just make sure if I'm taking like a ridiculous amount of time that I'm, I'm learning and like, I shouldn't really be learning on a, on a job in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I'm going to be doing immediately. And then over the course of the next few weeks, which would be about a month out from now, um, the two biggest takeaways that I'm having is one is I learn from the customer research, but I think really focus on brands that are already doing it mm-hmm. with a mindset of like keeping the brands, like being aware of brands that maybe want to. Mm-hmm. or could benefit from adding inclusive design in the future. But I think customer research is kind of pivoting that to really focus on brands that are already doing it. Okay. Um, and then also over the next month is just like really think about reconciling. Cause I have, for me, I have a, quite a big gap of like, okay, it's business and my job and my career and money and I have bills to pay, mm-hmm. but also like I can't live a passionless life. That's mm-hmm. just not me. Um, and so I think to take from you, to learn from you is like, okay, you did take a risk niching down to fashion freelancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you, you did that with intention and like awareness of what's going on in the market and maybe looking at other people that have done that because it's a balance. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that I can do because that for me has been quite a big obstacle of being stuck because mm-hmm. I'm just not sure, okay, if the cookies that I really, really love, is that actually going to, you know, make me money at the end of the day? Yeah. So this conversation has been like very fruitful in order to reconcile those two things. And then also finding, um, or, or maybe, you know, seeking out a mentor or something that has done that. Yeah. So I'm not sure what that looks like exactly and if that makes sense. But I think, yeah, over the next month is I have to be able to balance those two things as what I'm good at and what can make money, but also what do I love? Yeah, that's amazing. I think you've had some tremendous takeaways and I think that you're going to kick some major butt. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go – are you in the, um, the private student group, the peer chat group? In the course, I am the Facebook group. Okay, we're talking about yeah, right? yeah. Please yeah. go yeah. in there, um, like today, within you know, reasonable amount of time for this interview. While it's, well, it's not interview, I'm so used to doing podcast interviews. The strategy session. <laughs> <laughs> strategy. Um, strategy. Yeah, <laughs> when we'll have you on for an interview. I I know it. I know it. You're gonna kick so much butt. We're gonna have you on for an interview. Um, okay. I want you to go into the private student group and um, post, you know, kind of where you were at. And what you've learned and what you're kind of taking away from it. Because there are other people out there that are stuck in the same spot for, as you. And I want you to help add some value to them. Okay, um, I can do that. Yeah. I, I really think that would be tremendous. And I think people in the group would appreciate hearing, you know, the transformation you just had over this last hour. Because it's really, really huge. And I know you're going to take it and run with it. And I'm super excited to hear updates over time. I, I will share, for sure. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Erin. Well, I want to just, yeah, a very, a very like bright and pointed thank you um, to you because I really, I have three pages of notes. So (laughs) know that the paper has absorbed your advice and, and your experience. And I'm, I really, I really cherish um, your, your, uh, the strategies that you shared. 
Awesome. I'm so glad and I appreciate your thoughtfulness and thorough thoroughness in our conversation today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this strategy session with our freelance accelerator from surviving to thriving fast student, Aaron. I hope you loved the the strategy session and got some great value out of that. Um, Also a big shout out and thank you to my right hand rock star, Tara, who works behind the scenes on a lot of the podcast stuff to make this show possible and to coordinate the guests and make sure all the interviews happen and all the things, all the things, so many moving pieces and parts, as well as thank you to my husband, Mark, who does all the editing. Um, And of course, thank you to you for listening. The show wouldn't be here if it weren't for you guys. So thank you for listening. Um, If you love the show, give us a rating and write a review on on Apple Podcasts. It really means the world. Um, But beyond that, what I would love for you to do is head on over to soheidi.com slash freelance to get access to my best and other free resources on freelancing just for fashion. It's a lot of stuff you don't see or hear here on the podcast. Um, And I'd love to share those resources with you. So check that out. And I think that's it. We'll call it a wrap. I hope you're having a wonderful day, whatever it is that you are doing right now. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.